The Haunted UK podcast is produced and released in stereo. Listening through an environment such as headphones or stereo speakers will ensure you get the best experience. This show is sponsored by CDS Print and Design. For high-quality printed t-shirts, coasters, placemats, mugs and drinks containers, stickers and much, much more, contact Colin or Debbie for a no-obligation quote. You can find CDS Print and Design on Instagram, Facebook and now Etsy. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you love the Haunted UK podcast and you'd like to help keep the lights burning, the wheels turning, and the stories rolling, then why not consider getting over to coffee and donating to the show? That's KO-FI and search for the Haunted UK podcast. You can subscribe to donate just £3 per month, the price of a coffee, or as much as you like. If you prefer not to subscribe, then any donation to the show will be greatly appreciated. A target of 30 subscribers is the aim, and with your help, I know that's more than possible. The goal is to be able to release bonus content to subscribers and to get Haunted UK Podcast merchandise out there and available to all you amazing listeners. You'll even get a shout-out in an episode of the main show. So that's KO-FI and search for the Haunted UK Podcast to donate. Thank you. And here are the names of some amazing people who have donated to the show recently. They are David Taylor, Ingrid Dixon, Vicky Pattinson, Gary Smart, Lucy Meager, and last but not least, Mairead McAleen, who has now upgraded her donation to monthly. Thank you all so much. And with this being the last episode of 2022, have a happy and prosperous new year. Do you love ghost stories? Tales of haunted houses and poltergeist encounters? What about other areas of the paranormal, such as strange creatures, doppelgangers, time slips and even creepy unexplained disappearances? If you do, then you're in the right place. And these are the topics which we'll be visiting every two weeks throughout the many future episodes and seasons of this show. And just to ensure that you get the best experience... There will be no advertisements throughout the main content of this episode. But please stick around to the end of the show, where you'll hear a small promo from one of the many great podcasts out there, which I know you'll want to check out. So without any further delay, let's get this episode started. We came here, we were just married, and we were up in the greenhouses picking grapes. My wife Helen had her hand out, and she suddenly felt little fingers pulling her wedding ring off. Directly below there was stone, and it never hit the floor. It should have gone ping. So we searched and searched. We dug up the greenhouse, and I knew in that greenhouse childish laughter had been heard. 
So I said, well, it's the little people who live just one octave up, and they have a very naughty sense of humour. So I went back to the greenhouse and I said, well, very funny. We're all very amused and here's some silver for you. And I buried half crowns and said, now can we please have our wedding ring back? I went back to the house and a few days later, Helen was turning out some old handbags and in this inner zipped pocket, there was our wedding ring. Explain that one away. Desmond Leslie, family member and former inhabitant of Castle Leslie. is episode 28 of season 3 of the Haunted UK podcast and on this episode we'll be paying a visit to the resident ghosts of Castle Leslie Castle Leslie is located almost on the border between Northern and Southern Ireland and sits amongst lush green fields and woodlands. It has three lakes in its 1,000-acre grounds as well as woodland walks and streams which wind their way through the landscape. The current house was built in 1871 on the site of a previous castle which never served any defensive purposes. The house could be described as neo-Gothic but was fashioned and designed in the Scottish baronial style. Construction took approximately one year to complete and its positioning as you approach the house from the main driveway successfully masks the amazing landscape gardens to the rear. The house was originally commissioned by Sir John Leslie, but it was his wife Lady Constance who continued to be the driving force to get the house completed. The pair would often travel far and wide in search of artwork and furnishings to decorate the many interior rooms. The Leslie family tree can allegedly be traced as far back as Attila the Hun, who died in 453 AD. Their family motto is Grip Fast, and this came from the tale of the first member of the Leslie family, who was a Hungarian nobleman living in Scotland. His name was Bartholomew Leslie, and he was the personal guard and chamberlain to Queen Margaret of Scotland. It is said that whilst the Queen was riding pillion on the back of Bartholomew's horse, they crossed a river at which point the Queen fell. Bartholomew was quick to act to save her, as he undid his belt and threw her the end for her to take hold of. He told her to grip fast, as he pulled her to safety, and the saying stuck. It's even part of the family's crest. So, originally a clan in Scotland, 
the Leslie family spread out and a number of them settled in Ireland in around the 1600s. It was Bishop John Leslie who purchased the castle that once stood on the site in 1665, and the local population found the Leslie family to be tolerant and generous landlords. When the Great Famine of Ireland struck in 1845, many wealthy landlords were evicting tenants who could no longer afford to pay their rent. But the Leslie family took a different view to this situation. Helen Powell Leslie had been widowed since 1831 when her husband, Charles Powell Leslie, had died. She had taken over the running of the estate, and it was her idea to get the local tenants to build a famine wall around the property. In return, Helen would pay the workers, which would allow them to pay their rent, as well as setting up food kitchens to feed the many hungry workers and their families. The famine wall still stands today. The castle and then the house have been passed down from family member to family member, and the Leslies still live there to this day. Currently, the house is a luxurious hotel and exclusive wedding venue operated by Samantha Leslie. She has continued to carry out extensive restoration work to the house to bring it back to its original standard, and her efforts truly show, as the house is absolutely stunning. Castle Leslie is probably one of the first episodes which we've covered on the Haunted UK podcast, where the ghostly and paranormal incidents that have taken place there haven't been frightening or filled with evil intent. Instead, the family, past and present, have welcomed their ghostly ancestors back with open arms. And here are a few of their stories. But that's not to say that the members of the public haven't been frightened. We start with Norman Leslie. Born in 1886, he was educated at Eton and Sandhurst, and soon joined the army becoming a second lieutenant in 1905. Whilst serving in Egypt between 1908 to 1910, he became the last British officer to fight in a sword duel. A Turkish diplomat took issue with Norman Leslie's level of affection towards his wife, and this wouldn't be the last time that he would get into trouble because of his fondness towards women. Whilst serving in Bengal, India, under Governor Lord Carmichael, he became involved with a married woman which caused huge scandal at the time. In July 1914, the First World War began, and he dutifully and bravely went forward into battle. He wrote to a friend, quote, Let us forget individuals, and let us act as one great British unit, mixed and fearless. Some will live, and many will die. But count the loss not. It is far better to go out with honour than to survive with shame, end quote. Back at Castle Leslie, life went on, and on the 18th of October 1914, gamekeeper Jimmy Vogan spotted Norman Leslie in full military uniform, walking along a path by the lake nearest the house. Jimmy called out to Norman, who looked at him, smiled and continued his walk. Jimmy quickly made his way to the house and informed the staff and family that Norman Leslie was back from the war on leave and making his way to the house. The staff began rushing around and getting Norman's room ready for him as Jimmy made his way back out, just as Norman was starting to walk down the long garden path to the house. Jimmy passed Norman and commented that it was good to see him back home, to which Norman Leslie smiled and carried on down the path. Jimmy continued back out onto the grounds and carried on with his duties. 
Hours passed by and the family still hadn't seen Norman. Staff went to his room but he wasn't there and nobody had seen him enter the house. As evening came it was quite obvious that something was wrong. But what? Where had Norman gone to? With spiritualism being tremendously popular around the time of World War I, and also Ireland being a very spiritual and superstitious land, the family began to fear that something terrible had happened. A few days later, a telegram arrived informing the family that Norman Leslie had been killed in France while on a reconnaissance mission near Lille. He had died after suffering a head wound from the bullet of a German sniper, and the date of his death was the 18th of October 1914, the same day that he was seen wandering around the grounds of his beloved home. His mother even wrote an entry in her diary on the date of his sighting, simply saying, Norman home. Norman's brother Shane, who was also serving in France, made it his mission to recover Norman's body on behalf of the family and give him a proper burial. After the land that Norman had died on had been taken back by the Allies, Shane was able to get to the location where a fellow soldier had said that he had seen Norman's body. In a shallow grave by a railway embankment, Shane Leslie found a body. Being in the state that it was in, it was difficult to verify that it was indeed Norman, but Shane knew of a specific injury that could verify this either way. Shane opened the mouth of the deceased soldier and checked for a particular broken tooth. Shane confirmed that after finding this identical broken tooth, it was indeed his brother, Norman Leslie. He was buried in the grounds of a nearby church. Not long after this, his ghost appeared again, but this time in his old bedroom. Known as the Red Room, it is alleged to be one of the most active areas of the house as far as paranormal activity is concerned. Norman's mother, Lady Marjorie Leslie, was asleep in Norman's room one night when she woke up suddenly. Standing at the far end of the bedroom by a large chest of drawers was her son, surrounded by what she described as a cloud of white light. He appeared to be leafing through letters and paperwork, as if looking for something. Marjorie spoke out to Norman, saying, Why, Norman, what are you doing here? To which he smiled at her and then faded away. This sighting and the activity that Norman was appearing to be doing would play a significant part in the castle's future decades later. Countless sightings of Norman Leslie have been recorded over the years, but it was in 1996 that paranormal activity would be at its strongest with multiple events occurring. Poltergeist activity seemed to be the starting point with Samantha Leslie being the target of it. Servants' bells began ringing without anyone else being in the house. She recalls being down in the kitchen looking through the deep freeze when she felt a strange presence in the room with her. She turned to look around her and caught sight of a figure making its way down a corridor. Initially, she thought it was her husband Alton and called out to him a number of times, all with no response. Samantha then tried to find the figure and eventually found Alton outside in the gardens. He swore that he hadn't been inside the castle for hours. More incidents began occurring in the kitchen, with Samantha preparing food on another occasion and witnessing what looked like a handful of orange pips being thrown at a wall from behind her.
Although she was frightened, she was intrigued, and the activity continued to follow her. Again, in the kitchen, a food mixer suddenly burst into life, without it even being plugged in. Ghost sightings were also increasing in frequency, and one room in particular seemed to be the epicenter, Norman Leslie's bedroom, the Red Room. Three completely separate sets of guests all witnessed something while staying in the Red Room, and their experiences were all very similar. A couple who were asleep one night both woke up suddenly to see that the room was being lit by a strange glowing hazy light. Inside this light was a man standing next to a chest of drawers, leafing through paperwork, as if looking for something. Shortly after, the man and the light faded away. Sound familiar? Weeks later, another couple who were staying in the Red Room reported to staff another sighting, almost identical to the first, but with one huge difference. As before, the ghost of the man appeared within a glowing light next to the chest of drawers, but instead of fading away, he made his way over to the foot of the bed, looking directly at the frightened couple, and then raising his finger to his lips and made the sound and then vanished. Again, a few weeks later, and the spirit appeared for a third time. Another unsuspecting couple were in bed in the red room when the same light appeared surrounding the same man. But again, this sighting went further than both the first and second. As the couple woke up to see the apparition by the chest of drawers, they reported that it turned, walked towards them in bed, stopped, held up a scroll of papers as if to show them something. The man then smiled and faded away. One striking feature that both of the couple noted and reported was a bloody wound to the man's head, in the same place where Norman had been struck by the sniper's bullet over 80 years before. But what did these sightings mean? Why was the spirit of Norman Leslie, if that's who it was, leafing through paperwork and showing witnesses scrolls of documents? Samantha believed that Norman was trying to get a message to her. She felt that after hearing about the three separate sightings in the Red Room, the spirit appearing to show documents, and the poltergeist activity directed at her, it was a clear sign that she needed to find something, and she had a feeling she knew exactly what it was. For many years, the Leslie family were in a constant battle with a second party to produce proof of the inheritance of the whole estate. Samantha had trawled through boxes and boxes of documents, trying to find the paperwork which confirmed her as being the legal heir to the estate of the Leslie family. But these searches proved fruitless, until Norman Leslie began appearing. His apparition and the message which Samantha felt that he was trying to get through to her prompted her to search for the documents again, but this time in the castle vaults which was where the figure who had appeared behind her in the kitchen seemed to be heading. After a while searching, Samantha put her hands on a particular file and stopped. A strange tingling feeling went through her whole body. As she opened the file and started reading through the enclosed documents, she realized that she was holding the evidence she needed. After presenting this file to the relevant authorities, her claim to the estate was final and confirmed. And to this day, she firmly believes that had Norman's spirit not appeared, Castle Leslie 
would have been lost forever. Samantha says that it was Norman's love for his family and his attachment for his home that must have driven his ghost to take action. It also makes of her think of the first time that his spirit appeared in the Red Room all those years ago in front of his own mother, by the chest of drawers, as if searching for something. Had Norman's spirit knew all along that in decades to come his family and their home would be under threat? From the evidence, it seems it could have been a distinct possibility. This isn't the only ghost that Samantha has had the pleasure of encountering in the castle. Years before, when her aunt Anita was still alive, Samantha and her friend were doing some painting in the bathroom. It was getting into the early hours and both women were getting very tired, when all of a sudden a Jack Russell came running into the bathroom and went to jump on Samantha's lap as she was sitting on a box. Just as the dog would have landed, it disappeared. Both women looked at each other and agreed that maybe they were too tired and were seeing things. A few days later, Samantha's friend was in the bathroom again, painting, when she clearly heard a voice shout, Patch! Patch! She shouted out to Samantha, who came running to her. She told her what she'd heard. Over the next few evenings, both women would hear scratching noises in the rooms they were working in. They were also woken up by the same noises when they tried to sleep. One day, Samantha began talking to her Aunt Anita, who had lived in the castle for years. Anita commented to Samantha that she'd heard a little dog running around, and she was so pleased to have a dog in the house once again. Samantha told her that she didn't have a dog, but had a problem, and explained about the sightings and the scratching noises, and the disembodied voice calling out Patch. Anita immediately sat upright and told Samantha that her father Seymour, who was Samantha's great-uncle, once had a small Jack Russell when he was a boy. Children in the village would taunt Seymour because he'd had TB, and their taunts soon involved his dog, who they accidentally killed. Seymour's dog was called Patch. Aunt Anita was another character with a colourful history. Born in 1914, she grew up as a fun-loving, horse-riding, spiritual soul who loved life. During World War II, she served in North Africa as a mechanic, an ambulance driver, and a delivery driver who often transported valuable supplies to areas such as Syria and Lebanon. She also served in the Red Cross and was even involved in missions to rescue French prisoners of war from German concentration camps. One standout story about Anita's adventures was that she wrote letters home to the Leslie family in Ireland on swastika and eagle letter-headed paper, allegedly from Hitler's own desk in the Reich Chancellery. After the war, Anita embraced life even more, and this was evident from a letter which she wrote to a friend which stated, Never again am I going to live a dull, domesticated existence. I'm just going to be naughtier and naughtier. End quote. Anita died in 1985, and her request was that she was to be buried on the bank of the lake opposite the castle, and, in keeping with her Native American spiritualist beliefs, between the roots of two trees. The ceremony was attended by family and friends, and as Desmond Leslie read aloud a poem which Anita wanted included in the ceremony, a small vortex of wind began to spin gaining strength and pulling leaves off the trees right at the moment that the poem described her soul rising up and going home. 
The vortex of wind and leaves then made its way over to the middle of the lake, and then, as if in a last token of goodbye, the leaves were propelled up and over the lake's surface. Now this could easily be explained as a natural phenomena, but the Leslie family, the house staff, friends and villagers that attended, all felt that this really was Anita's final journey to the other side. Desmond Leslie also had his fair share of strange experiences related to the Leslie's past family members. A truly amazing story tells the tale of Lady Marjorie Leslie, who was, if you remember, the mother of Norman Leslie. She continued to stay in the Red Room right up to her death in 1951. Desmond Leslie wasn't at the castle at the time. Instead, he was at his flat in London where he lived. It is said that at the time of Lady Marjorie's passing, her ghost appeared to Desmond, wandered over to his son Sean, who was a toddler at the time and was in fact very ill himself from the effects of a poison mastoid. This condition was a serious infection of the bone which is behind the ear. Lady Marjorie approached Sean, who seemed completely calm and touched Sean's face, then disappeared. Almost immediately, Sean said, pain gone. Sean never suffered from the condition again. Crisis ghost? Saviour, perhaps? Figment of the imagination? How do you explain the mysterious curing of this condition? The ghosts of Castle Leslie have appeared to staff as well over the years, with many employees reporting seeing a man wandering around in the basement and then vanishing before their eyes. Others have seen Lady Constance in the Mauve bedroom, with one particular sighting happening to a nurse who had been called in to care for Leonie Blanche Jerome Leslie, who was spending her final days in the Mauve bedroom. As the moment of Leonie's death was near, the nurse entered the bedroom to see another woman standing at her bedside. Thinking that it was a family member, she continued her duties and not long after, Leonie passed away. The year was 1943. As the family gathered downstairs in the dining room, the nurse joined them to extend her condolences and then noticed a painting on the wall. She pointed out that the woman in the painting was in the room around the moment of Leonie Leslie's passing and that they were speaking to each other. Members of the Leslie family were intrigued and shocked as the woman in the painting was Lady Constance and she had died 18 years earlier. As we near the end of this episode, I think you'll all agree that Castle Leslie and its grounds has proven itself as a place of extremely curious behaviour. Family members of the past seem to be able to connect with their present relatives in ways which have not only given comfort, but have actually been responsible for helping to save the entire estate. Our final story involves a member of staff at the castle and Desmond Leslie. Ned had started work in the grounds at Castle Leslie at around the age of 14 years old. As with all staff members at the house, his time there was enjoyable and fulfilling. He climbed the ranks, earning the role of head gardener until his retirement at around 75 years old. Ned and his family had moved into some new houses in the local village when it had become apparent that his health was beginning to fail him. It soon got to a stage where Ned couldn't be left in his room alone and needed full-time care. 
His niece, Anne, remembers that every evening Ned would be pulling at his bedclothes, as if performing some sort of duty. It turned out that in Ned's mind, he was. Anne would ask what he was doing, and Ned would say that he was tending to the roses, watering the roses, and taking care of the grounds. His other family members would sit with him, fascinated at what he would tell them about what job he was doing in the castle gardens on that day. The Leslie family would also visit Ned on a regular basis. All staff were important to Castle Leslie, past and present, and were treated like family. Unfortunately, the day came when Ned passed away. Just before he died, he told his wife and Anne that he was going to work, to which they replied as usual, right, yes, okay. Around 20 minutes after Ned had passed, their doorbell rang. Desmond Leslie stood at the door with a single rose in his hand. Anne told Desmond that Ned had passed away a few minutes ago. Desmond Leslie stood quiet for a short time and then said it was impossible, as he had just been at the castle grounds with Ned in the rose garden, which was where he'd just got the single rose from. Had Ned really gone to work one last time? Had he gone back to the place where he felt at peace to finally be at rest? Castle Leslie's history stretches back hundreds of years, and even though today it is more known as a hotel and events venue, it still attracts the attention of ghost hunters and paranormal investigators alike. So if you're invited to a wedding at Castle Leslie, or if you're spending a weekend away, keep your senses live and your mind open, because the next person to experience a paranormal event at Castle Leslie could be you. Well, we've come to the end of this episode of the Haunted UK podcast. But before I go, I'd like to ask a favour from all of you amazing listeners out there. The show's end-of-season finale revolves around the experiences and stories from listeners just like you. So if you've had an encounter with any element of the paranormal and you'd like to share your story, then I'd love to tell it for you on the Listener Stories finale episode. Simply type up your story and email it to hauntedukpodcast at hotmail.com. That's hauntedukpodcast at hotmail.com. And in the subject section of your email, title it Listener Story, so it's easy for me to find. All stories are treated with the utmost privacy and respect. And if you wish to remain anonymous, then that's no problem at all. This podcast is recorded, mixed and mastered at my studio, Pink Flamingo Music Productions in Hells Owen in the West Midlands, England. If you have a piece of music you'd like mixing or mastering, or if you have a podcast that needs title music writing, or maybe you want your whole podcast editing and prepping for distribution, then why not get in touch with me via email at pinkflamingo.musicproductions at hotmail.com. That's pinkflamingo.musicproductions at hotmail.com with your inquiry and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. For a list of all research sources which I found helpful for the writing of this episode, please see the show's notes. Thank you again for listening to and supporting the Haunted UK podcast. So until the next episode, stay safe and take care. But before you go, why not check out the following great podcast? Hey guys, this is Michelle, and I want to first of all thank you all for checking out this podcast. 
you may be wondering what you are in for tuning into a podcast called Paranormal Exposed. Well, let me tell you what you're going to get on this ride. First off, I am a skeptical want-to-be believer in the paranormal. I'm going to be looking into various paranormal stories and give you all the information that you can possibly handle. You will get the history behind your favorite stories along with some stories you might never have heard of. So, of course, this isn't a history podcast. It's a paranormal one. So, of course, I'm going to present the haunted reports as well as any photographic video evidence or any of that I find along the way. All the episodes will feature stories based in the United States, and I will cover various paranormal phenomena. So join this skeptic every Wednesday wherever you tune into podcasts, and together we will find the truth and expose the paranormal to be real or not.